Hey, hey, patrons, uh, friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my patron peeps, uh, it's Scoots coming to you to, to, to take your mind off stuff and keep you company, to do what's important, to be here for you. And you enable me to do that for you and everybody else. Thanks so much. What do you say? Uh, we play a little theme music and we slow it down and get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. It could be thoughts, you know, things on your mind that you're thinking about uh, the, from the past, the present, or the future. So it could be feelings, anything emotionally coming up for you. So thoughts, feelings, physical sensations. So it could be any of those things. It could be changes in time or temperature or routine. It could be something out of the ordinary. And, and I don't mean to, to, to try to, I don't think this is the right usage, usage to titillate you, but I do have a little personal uh, uh, thing. You might do a little laugh. If you, if you want to have some, uh, what, do, what is that called? Schadenfreude? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Not a, whatever it's called. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance right here. Or to relate. I say, no, no, no. For me, it's not shod, whatever it is, because, yeah, I'm, the, I'm not, I'm the stumbler. So you could laugh along with me or you could laugh, you know, and just you could laugh. It's not at my expense because I'm the one choosing to share this with you. But first, we're going to talk a little bit more about the podcast and get to know each other better, just in case you're new. And what I propose to do here in order to take your mind off of stuff and keep you company while you fall asleep is I'm going to try to create a safe place. I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pat it. And I'm going to and I'm just thinking about the irony of what I'm going to tell you. So if you're a regular listener, you will have to um, just, you know, you could fall asleep and listen to this tomorrow if you need to. Don't worry about it. You're not going to miss anything. But I just want to create a safe place where you could listen to me or not listen to me. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones and pointless meanders, which means my voice is not perfect. It's a bit froggy and uh, croak-like, uh, creaky dulcet tones and pointless meanders and superfluous tangents kind of mean I never get to the point or I always get distracted and go off topic before getting to the point. And then when I get there, then you say it's, an, it's more of a nub. It's not really a point. I don't have anything pointed to say because I'm just here to keep you company and take your mind off stuff. Because of the most important thing around the show, it, it's twofold. The most important thing is you. You deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place you could rest, where you could get comfortable, where you could drift off. I'm here for you. Because you deserve that. And if I could, I can't provide it for everybody. This show just doesn't work for everybody. But if I can provide it for you, that really is important to me. It really gives my life deep meaning. Because if you get the the rest you need, tomorrow your life's going to be a little bit better. If I can contribute to that, that really is important to me. And not only because, you know, I'm a person too, but it's a, like I've been, a, I'm a person who've, who's been there, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting asleep, trouble staying asleep, trouble regulating temperature. That was last night or whatever it is. Uh, like I know how it feels in the deep, dark night. That's why I call it the deep, dark nights. So the reason I make the show is because you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place you can rest or bedtime you can look forward to or feel neutral about instead of dreading. And because I've been there and I know how it feels. So that's the most important thing. There's a lot of other things or a few other things I got to tell you because if you're new, like I said, the show just does not work for everybody. But even for the people that enjoy the podcast, for the most part, it takes two or three tries. Or for some listeners, two or three years, uh, it's a common thing to listen to the show, strongly dislike it, 
come back years later and then start listening because maybe you 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 know you had a life change and say well i'm going to give that show another try and you say oh he never makes any sense his voice is never it's kind of soothing it's not totally soothing and you say i get it it's like uh it doesn't i get that there's nothing that is sensible about the show so give it a few tries not for me but for you like i don't benefit if the podcast doesn't really help you and there is a website sleep with me podcast.com slash no thank you so if you find you already strongly think the show's not going to work for you or something check that website out there's lots of other sleep podcasts and sleepy stuff on there but i hope you can be like the hundreds of thousands of people that regularly listen to the show and say hey i gave it a few tries and it does work i realize i don't barely pay attention to that guy you know, this one isn't the personal res- r- 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 thing I was going to reveal, but this is kind of, uh, I've been spending time with one of my nephews, Ted. And Ted doesn't call me uh, Uncle Drew or Uncle Scooter or Unky or Unk. He calls me that guy. And he's not the first kid in my life, the first niece, niece or nephew. There's for some reason they call me that guy in a, in a positive way. Like they say, where's that guy going? I, I think I'd like to go for a walk with that guy. It was in the, just the other night I was babysitting last night, I was babysitting Ted and his sister. And he was saying, what's that guy talking about? Uh, he said to my daughter and I said, people have been asking themselves that for, for my entire life and even a more concentrated way around the sleep podcast. So, yeah, I mean, I got that going for me. So you might say, ideally, you become a regular listener and they, they wake up at breakfast tomorrow and you say, I don't even know what that guy was talking about last night. Uh, something about, I, I don't know, and you say, but I slept so good. Oh, so, but let me tell you if you're new. So the show's an acquired taste. And it does take a few tries to get used to uh, the other things to know. Is, uh, let's see what else. Oh, this podcast doesn't really put you to sleep. I'm really here to keep you company while you fall asleep, which is a little bit different. I'm here to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, that guy, that boring guy, that goofy guy who's here to just, like I'm your roommate or your friend across the room or on the phone just talking so you don't have to listen to me. So you know there's someone else around. They're kind of taking your mind off of stuff, ideally soothing you or distracting you. So, yeah, this is a podcast that doesn't really put you to sleep. It's also a podcast you don't really listen to. You kind of just barely listen. You may have already figured that out. Like, just like this, uh, Ted, he's related to me. I've babysat for him before. We've played different games. He buried me in a mound of pillows today, but still we have this type of, we have such a great relationship. He doesn't even know my name. How close could you be? Well, I say, man, we're close. He doesn't really even know. He just, you know, refers to me in a generalized way. You know, he's so comfortable around me. He considers me a non-specific entity. And I say, well, boy, how do you know you've made it when, and I say, and, and this would be like an introvert's dream. Oh, when uh, someone says, yeah, that guy, that guy's got the podcast, uh, what does that have to do? Oh, so, yeah, that's really what my job is, not to be flashy, but to be here and keep you company while you fall asleep. It, not so much for you to listen to me. Because, again, and this will go into the structure, some people are always waiting for the show to get started, new listeners. Or for the story part, or they say, what is going on with this intro? And it's more... Yeah, the show's always going and never gets started. So that goes in the structure of the show. The structure is very deliberate of the podcast. And it's deliberate in a way that you can you can slowly adjust it if you become a regular listener. But at first it's designed, it starts with a greeting. Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So hopefully you feel seen and welcomed in. Then there's some support for listeners and resources for listeners and the community around the show. Then there's support for the podcast itself so it can be free and come out twice a week. Because a lot of work goes into keeping the podcast going and, and just it being free and easy. But the goal is to show shows free, not behind a paywall. So that's the Patreon, the Patreon support and the sponsors. Then there's an intro, which goes, I don't know, runs minute six or minute eight to minute 20 or so, where I ramble like I'm doing now, talk about being that guy, 
and just go on and on and on. And sometimes uh, people that feel strongly non-positive about the show, they say, oh, is this just like self-indulgent or housekeeping or 20 minutes of self-congratulations? I say, no, it may feel like that to a new listener. I understand that. But it's really something familiar every time where I unsuccessfully try to describe the podcast in five minutes, so it ends up taking me 20 minutes. But it's different every time, so that whatever part of you is keeping your weight can't quite adjust. They say, well, I didn't realize Scoots was, Scoots was babysitting now. I mean, wow, maybe I will become a patron. They say, well, it's free. I was paid in pizza. But uh, you say, oh, well, you know, I learned so And then you say, well, but that's not really that interesting. Of course, sometimes siblings babysit for other siblings' kids. And it sounds like Scoots' daughter was doing most of the babysitting. And Scoots was just, you know, uh, and I say, you're correct. You're definitely correct. So, oh, so that's the intro. It just goes on and on and on. There is a small percentage of listeners, two or three percent, that skip the intro. And they just start the show at 20 minutes. And then there's a few thousand people on Patreon that listen to story-only episodes. But you can kind of see how it goes at first. But the intro is supposed to ease you into bedtime. It's something you could listen to while you're getting ready for bed or while you're in bed getting comfortable or you're doing some sort of other relaxing thing. Then there's sponsor stuff between the intro and the next part of the show, the main part of the podcast. But like I said, the podcast never gets started and is always going. And then after the sponsors, we'll talk about the good place. It'll be very meandering and indirect and, you know, talk about pocket squares or what look was on Jason's face or who was sitting where. So nothing too interesting. And then there's thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. And I really think that's it. I mean, this is, a, I guess, in a weird way, this is a podcast you got to kind of try out a few times and see how it goes. Like, kind of like my nephew, he said, well, you know, if I, if I get to, you know, we don't live near one another. So he says, I mean, what do you want me to do, uncle? I just, you're that guy because, you, you know, I'm just trying you out to, to see... And I say, yeah, I've got to earn your rapport and your trust, Ted. And I say, actually, I think it's kind of cool. I'd rather be that guy. Because uh, you say, like you say, what was that? Who was that guy, Dad, that's related to you in some sort of way? You know, maybe a year or two now. When's that? What was that guy? Oh, you mean? Uh, I say, no, not that. And I say, oh, there's that guy. He's back again. It's the holiday season or whatever it is. So this is the kind of podcast you only have to make that. I mean, that's someone I'm related to of how much of a commit, you know, they're easy. Ted's easing into his commitment, commitment to me being a family member, just like that with the podcast. You say, well, I'm going to kind of try it, but you don't got to really listen to me. Just play it a few times. See if you fall asleep. See if you could barely listen to me like clouds passing or just mildly not even enjoy the podcast. Say, well, I kind of fit. Uh, yeah. You really are that guy. If anything, I could say you've used that guy way too many times, Scoots. And I'd say you're right. That's when it comes to uh, being a non-specific entity. I really am. It can't be indulgent. But so I'm glad you're here. I I, 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 I work really hard on on the show, and I really hope uh, it can help you fall asleep. Thank you again for coming by. And, uh, you know, I yearned and I strive to help you fall asleep. Here's a couple of ways I'm able to do it for you for free twice a week. All right, everybody, Scoots here. We're talking about the season finale of season two, the season two finale, the season finale of season two. I think I say, Scoots, you've said season finale one too many times. The final episode of season two, the last episode of season two, in order both the 12th and the last episode of season two. And it's called Somewhere Else. And it starts, I'll, re- I'll start with my notes, then I'll run through the episode. And then we'll have some extra time tonight to look into some facts from this episode and maybe some earlier episodes of the season. But Somewhere Else starts right at left off, new angle. Actually, I don't know, and I'll have to pay attention for it, that there was a break for chapter whatever chapter this was. Uh, I'm not even sure what chapter it is. Though I should know that. Major drama. 
They said, nice to meet you, uh, Major Drama. Oh, Michael's talking his new angle. Spill the tea, sweetheart, the judge says. And Michael posits this whole thing. He's been saying they got better, which is not supposed to be possible. So that's a pretty big deal. They said, Jason, what did you used to do for fun? He said, well, you used to play with paint and flamingos and did that since I was a kid. But the judge says, does it prove something? A great frame of soul squad? Oh, there's a great frame of soul, soul squad as a judge might like kind of. We're over the, we're not over the judge's shoulder. The judge is in front of us. We kind of got the judge's POV, but the judge is still in the frame or the screen. You know, that's the frame or the 16 by nine. The old 16 by nine is that no one says ever. Uh, we have Chidi on the left. Eleanor is next to Chidi. Then Michael is a little bit forward in the center. To the right back of Michael is Tahani, then Jason, then Janet. And then the judges, in a, you know, I said, if we were, to, we're like, we're not the judge, but, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, the idea that good or bad is fundamentally flawed comes up. Uh, eternity of something, tinctures, goosebumps, the judge says. Chilla Tahani talking test. Oh, so then they, they cut that scene. I don't know if it went to commercial or not. Uh, but then we have uh, Tahani and Eleanor talking about the test, and, and Tahani's talking about her test. A deep breath, ate a Cheeto, walk away, with away, with away, walk away. But maybe that she talked about walking away from her parents. At first, I kind of liked it. It was kind of very sitcom-y, like two characters sitting on a comfortable sofa chatting. Uh, but then the camera pulls back a little and you see those portals behind them. You say, well, that's no sitcom. And then the camera switches perspective or whatever, the editor or whatever. I, I It switches perspective. We see across the room, Jason is talking to someone. Maybe at the first we noticed it's cheaty, but eventually I noticed it was cheaty. He's like, this is one of the craziest days ever, one of the wildest days ever. And they say, one of. Uh, and then Janet shows up. She says, hey, by the way, I love you. Complicated feelings? Maybe not so complicated. I love you. And cheaty goes into total shock. And at first, even though part of me knew how this turned out, it had been a long time since I'd seen this episode. And so I said, wait a second, how does this turn out? Because Chidi has a shocked look on his face. He looks to Eleanor and she's kind of playing with her fingers or her nails and looking nonplussed like she doesn't care. And not. And then Chidi's kind of like, my, like I'm like the fork in the blender. And it, it really is great progressive progression in this just two minute sequence because then great boundary example from Janet. She says, you know what, Chidi, this isn't about you. So please don't you know, comment on this. Uh, and then Chidi makes a determined walk. Well, the, where's, where's Jason's? At some point, Jason says, girl, I love you back. She says, not a girl anymore. I'm a Janet. I'm not a Janet anymore either. Not just a Janet anymore. Oh, that happens after Jason says, I think I love you too, girl. And she says, not a girl, but I'm not a Janet anymore either. Yeah. Then we get a cheaty determined walk up to Eleanor. He kisses her. His chin goes up after like, yep. And, uh, I love you. And I was, you know, no words just, and she goes hot diggity dog. And then there's some great commentary on that. The judge, judge comes in. She says, who wants some chips and guac? We came up with a plan. Michael and I, you're all going to your own medium places while Michael works on something. Uh, and then Jason says, are we going to be together? No, you're not. How much time are we going to be gone? Well, anywhere between a month and a year we'll be gone. I can't really tell you for sure. Uh, but it could be, you know, it could be a little bit of time. And this is actually more no... Normal time, both options suck. Uh, so this was a subtle way of uh, Eleanor put her foot down. It you didn't really realize it at first, but she says both options suck. Uh, 
So I don't really would choose neither one of those. And then, um, oh, My- Michael needs more time to figure it out. Then Michael says, hot diggity dog. And him and the judge have a lot of uh, nonverbal communication, but they know what one another's thinking. How's that justice? Slow roll. Did it, but they did it for a reward. The judge is like, no, we can't give them a second chance because their good behavior, you know, they did it for what's uh, called moral dessert. Great, great writing. You know, you do something moral because you're getting a reward or dessert, uh, but they just needed to push in the right direction. And that's when Michael gets the new idea. Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's Looney Tunes. Uh, and he says, it's only four people. Uh, wink won't work. Uh, the judge uh, the judge says, but Michael says, come on, come on. And then she goes, my Rudolph goes through these faces while she's thinking which are really good. It was strict rules. What Michael grins, what the fork, uh, Eleanor says, and then snaps and it, it goes to the fades to white and Eleanor's back in the parking lot. The person with the, um, petition is there. It says, you don't know me. Eleanor gets rescued. I said, is that, was that Trent, uh, from season four? I can never remember. Then we see her place in her roommates, uh, twerp or frozen, close call. Uh, is the margarita mix really gone? Then the other roommate takes over her story. There's a mention of Syracuse, New York. Eleanor leaves and goes to her room. We'll pause that and look at her room a little bit. She goes on. I thought it was Instagram, but I think it was face, you know, some Insta Facebook type thing. Now that they're same anyway, wakes up, she goes to work. I'm trying to be a better person. You want to go to the baby shower? Sure. Then she goes to the environmental uh, petition person and apologizes. That's not, but you didn't really apologize. You just said you were sorry. She goes, okay, I'm sorry. I was mean of all the times I was mean to you. I don't have an excuse for it. Apology accepted. And she goes, how'd you get H-O-R-N-E-Y for the environment anyway? Clean Energy Crusaders. Then we see Michael and Janet working the ticker tape machines, one for each of the Soul Squad, or the human side of the Soul Squad. Match, something. High fives. Eleanor out at uh, back of arm. Oh, Eleanor out of bed in the morning. There's a musical montage, lunch with friends or not. Eleanor, it's, uh, I'm really sorry. Oh, so Eleanor starts admitting new places. Uh, so she like tells the truth. She, she starts working at this place, making new connections. Then she tells her friend, you know, about how she made T-shirts of her and uh, she's really sorry. She has to get a new place. Going gets tough, uh, gets tougher. We see pizza and a toaster. I'm trying to be good. And her roommate, her her still best friend, her other still best friend laughs. Ha ha ha. There's a zero. She gets a zero day on the ticker tape. So Michael's concerned. She's then she's reading Celebrity Baby and uh, the environmental guy shows up. Sorry, because this is a job. Uh, and then her, her friend comes in. She says, I got tickets to a Taylor Swift a reggae cover band, Taylor Spliffs. And Eleanor says, being good is for suckers. I quit. Uh, something, 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 something. Back. But then she goes back to work. She's sick of doing the right thing. Michael's frustrated. No way to help them. Uh, Janet says, and they zoom on Michael. And then we see Eleanor out for her birthday. And Michael's the bartender. Uh, what do you talk? What 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 do you talk about? What do you do? Let's talk about it. Uh, and there's a we should pause. And she then we cut back and she's describing the plot of Kangaroo Jack. No one cares. Uh, six Mets, moral dessert. Uh, well, I want a tiara for do. Oh, that's when he talks about moral dessert. I want a tiara or one of those diagonal. Award belts. You mean a sash? It says, good person when she tried, right direction. 
And then uh, Michael says, what do we owe each other? Good luck. Uh, Eleanor wakes up in her bed. She's a little bit hungover. Michael, we see Michael. He says, did anybody notice I was gone? No. And we see one year ago, Eleanor's looking at her social media. Say, one year ago, you posted like this apology to Brian Lochte. And she Googles, what do we owe each other? And Chidi's video comes up. Uh, This is kind of like where season three starts, right? And uh, it's part one of a three-hour presentation. Uh, Something reasonable, you know, about being a good person. Why do it? Uh, But he has her. Like, as she watches the video, we see it. We are not in this alone, Chidi says. And that's such a good reminder, right? We're not in this alone. Uh, and then her, her roommate comes, you know, she says, don't you get my text? We're going somewhere. She goes, I'm going somewhere else. And we see Sydney Airport. She arrives. Uh, Michael's at the ticker tape. Eleanor's in the halls of St. John's, uh, Sydney University or something. She knocks on Chidiana Gonia's door. Is this where I find kind of Anna Kent? She, you know, something long. Oh, that long nerdy video. He says, my presentation. So we'll check out his office. And she goes, can we talk? And then we zoom on Michael and he says, okay, here we go. And the episode comes to a close. All right, so let's run through it. We got the judge sits down. Michael spilled the tea. And he's really working his presentation. He's got a nice suit. Who's his sport coat and pants on? Kind of a maroon tie. Judge has a serious... She she actually uses her eyes really well. He does have a pocket square, but he's got the long tie, no bow tie. So that all must mean something that I never was able to grasp in 8,000 hours of watching. Uh, Jason's in his, like one of his warm-up suits with a white tee. He looks super cool. Michael's like, he's so much better. Janet's making faces. Let the immortal beings talk, darling. Tahani says, this doesn't prove anything according to the judge, but it does. Uh, Michael says, come on now, judge. Uh, it does prove something. And he, he said, this is flawed and unreasonable. And, you know, it's that millions of people have been to the bad, going to the bad place. Uh, and that's when she says, you gave me goosebumps there. It doesn't happen very often. Oh, the good place. Chapter 26. I missed that. Then it goes to them talking kind of like on the set of a sitcom, except there's two portals to Netherworld behind them. I mean, it could be like the set of Frasier. And uh, so Tahani and Eleanor are talking. And uh, she's saying how proud she is of her, how proud Eleanor is. And Tony says, well, I'm so glad we became mates, British for friends. Then Jason's talking about what a wild day it is. And then it just gets wilder. Chidi's arms are crossed. He's got a striped shirt on, khakis. Eleanor is in her purple uh, dress with a blouse that's like uh, white with turquoise diamond kind of things. Jason also has a pretty thick gold chain. Chidi's brain is grinding like a fork in a garbage disposal, but uh, stay out of it. And uh, that's when Jan says, not a girl, not a Jan anymore. Then Chidi goes, let's count this. Uh, hey, man, what's up? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight seconds without Mississippi. So at least a four-second kiss with one mouth move. He laughs when she says hot diggity dog. It's, uh, you know, honest. Uh, Judge and Michael come in. No guac. Here's all of the medium places. I wonder if this is a set or it actually they filmed. I don't think they filmed this in a bank or elevator hallway. Got to tailor this. This ain't the medium place. How much time will be alone? Eleanor's uh, smitten. And she says, well, she just laid one on me. That's when Michael says, hot diggity dog, back at you. Oh, because she says, and both these options suck. Uh, A little dizzy from that kiss. 
and we've all gotten better. Why do we have to live in a boring void? Oh, so she does. She says, how is this justice? She says, slowly roll Aaron Brockovich, the judge. And it's not just as I mean, this is the whole moral uh, dessert thing. You thought there was a reward. That's why you were good. And that's not how it works. You're supposed to be good for goodness sake. And Michael says, well, what if you got to push in the right direction here? And she goes, no, 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 no. They go back and forth. No one knows what they're talking about. It's like there's only four people. No one will know. Come on. Jason's like, what? You know, come on. I want to get in on this. Uh, Michael says, don't worry about it, Judge. Uh, You know, if it doesn't work out, it's not going to work out anyway. So then she makes all the faces. He says, yay. Strict rules. I could change my mind at any point. Michael's giggling. He's not just smiling. And that's when we snap Eleanor's eyes open. She's in the middle of talking, turns her thing around, loses her margarita mix. Someone catches her. For some reason, I do think it's Brent or Trent or whatever that, uh, but they go off. Everybody's amazed. Holy mackerel. That was close. Then we got like a Real Housewives type show. Eleanor still has two bags of groceries. And they say, geez, uh, they talk about the guy who collects the, th- the signatures. Eleanor talks about her close call. And then, you know, her, her roommates, her friends are ready to move on. And let's see, the apartment has like an orange wall. It's got some paintings up. Um, couches are gray. They don't look super comfortable, though. J.I.L. is the painter of one of the paintings. Uh, Eleanor goes in her room, which is a mess. She starts cleaning her room up. Uh, Wait a second. She even has a bedspread, like a quilt. Uh, she labels her garbage bags. She's like, I, you know, she's doing this admission to, I couldn't see the labels, but uh, I'm selfish. I started, you know, did with Ryan Lochte, disrespected him. But she starts doing nice things, letting her roommate borrow her credit card. Getting up out of a made bed. Quitting her job for, you know, the stuff. And listening to her boss go on and on and on, saying she's going to go to a, what do you call that thing, a baby shower. Then she apologizes. I came here to apologize. I apologize. No, you didn't. And she goes, okay, I didn't apologize. I'm sorry for being mean to you like a thousand times. No excuse. Apology accepted. Can you teach me of... uh, you know, why, you know, why you're into the environment so much. And then she gets introduced to the Clean Energy Crusaders. Everybody's happy. The musical montage starts. We see the ticker tapes, Eleanor Tahani, Jason and Chidi, high five. Eleanor wakes up. Uh, there's a song among, son among the remnants. All our words left unsaid. And when the truth lies in our direction, do we work it? Or lose our heads. Or maybe, maybe we're strong. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Eleanor's cleaning up after people. And then they they go out to dinner. She's a vegetarian now. She admits, uh, like, uh, how she hurt her other friend's feelings. And then her other friend's mad. She also, they say, get out. Uh, You got to find a new place to live. She wakes up again in her new place with boxes. And she's having a tougher time getting people to take her pamphlets. Michael's looking at her. Tougher time waking up every day. Bored at work. Let's see if I can freeze on this uh, whiteboard at work here. National Org. Last 10 months, a failure to move the needle. Fewer direct approach appeals, more on campus time, merging of forces, super PAC, uh, area groups, national org. Next meeting, we need ideas. That's what's on the board at Eleanor's meeting. Everybody, and then maybe, maybe we're strong, the song goes. And then Eleanor has like a little dinghy poo with her car. Turns out that that's like uh, being honest doesn't work out for her there either. So that's frustrating. 
And uh, then, you know, she's more frustrated. I'm trying to be good. My roommate laughs. How's that working out? Uh, Michael sees a zero on the ticker tape. Celebrity Baby Magazine. Eleanor quits her job. She could go to, you know, Taylor Splift, a reggae cover band. She got a big bird painting in her uh, living room. That's pretty cool. And she says, this is a crummy apartment. Uh, being good is for suckers. She says, that, well, I get fulfillment from it. Uh, and she says, I don't like that. Uh, I'm going to hit the road, ben- Benjamin, ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. Then she goes back to her job, and they've got a new thing going. But uh, Eleanor doesn't care. She says, just show me where my desk is. Michael's frustrated. Uh, there's no one no one to help. Uh, then we got the party. Red uh, and uh, her friend's like, I got to go. I got to meet up with somebody. So Eleanor's solo. She's a little bit tipsy. She says, usually I lie about my birthday, but it's actually my birthday today. Uh, you know, last year on my birthday, I thought I was going to turn over a good leaf or whatever. But uh, then I stopped and now I'm here. There's Michael in a plaid dress shirt, Desert Rosé, Sting's Desert Rosé. And Michael's listening to her. And he's like, kind of like the movie Cocktail a little bit. Though he's not flipping drinks or anything. Problem with being a do-gooder is no one cares. Michael, some people care, but Eleanor says they don't really matter. I was a good person for six months. I felt, uh, didn't feel great. Uh, didn't, what did I get for it? That's what Michael talks, moral desserts, uh, concept that you, when you act with virtue, you deserve a reward. Well, if I'm not going to get rewarded, uh, what is it worth? Uh, why should I do good things? And then, you know, uh, uh, Michael talks about this voice in your head, which Chidi refers to again later. And uh, she doesn't realize Michael's talking about her. She was a little rough around the edges, but uh, I think that voice was her conscience trying to point her in the right direction. I got to go home. What do I owe you? What do we owe each other? And uh, he says, drinks are on me. Then Eleanor wakes up. She's slower getting out of bed. Ow. Michael sits down. Anybody knows how's gone? No. So then she drinks some coffee, opens up her thing, sees her post from a year ago, thinks, what do we owe each other? I thought there was something about this, 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 this you know, that song that was popular that I can't pronounce, uh, yeah, there was a lot more jokes snuck in there. And then Chidi's speaking four-part utilitarianism in five minutes, so in the Beginner's Guide to Kant. Uh, but Chidi's got a four-part video. A couple thousand views, about 2,500 views. The difference between being reasonable. What does it mean to be a reasonable person? We all have different definitions. Why choose to be good when there's no guaranteed reward? Well, our bonds with other people and our innate desire to treat them with dignity. Simply put, we're not in this alone. And that's where things clarify for Eleanor. And she says, I'm going somewhere else. Qantas Air, Sydney International Airport, St. John's University. Michael sees it on the ticker tape. 1826, when the university was established. Oh, Chidi Anagonia's office, was it 210? So he's on the second floor? Yeah, 210. That's the house, uh, it's a special number to me, 210. And he says, yeah, we see his office, which we've seen before, virtue ethics on the board. Tuesday is when office hours are. And he goes, yeah, the practical applications, ethical theory. Hi, my name is Eleanor Shellstrom. Can we talk? Zoom on Michael. Here we go. And then, yeah, I'll be back uh, to talk about some, some uh, what do you call them, facts uh, and stuff I looked up about the episode. Thanks, everybody. All right, everybody, so let's talk about some of the facts that came up in the last few episodes of this season. 
When was Kangaroo Jack? Uh, I think Eleanor was recounting the uh, the plot of it, and I said, "Wait a second, that sounds familiar, but it also sounds unbelievable." And I'm not even sure. It, it, it was like, okay, I don't know. So I'm going to read through the Wikipedia article about Kangaroo Jack. Uh, it's a 2003 movie. Uh, comedy with a little, uh, you know, action thriller type thing from Castle Rock Entertainment and Bruckheimer Films. Distributed by Warner Pictures, directed by David McNally, a screenplay by Steve Bing and Scott Rosenberg. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and stars, so it was correct, Jerry O'Connell, Anthony Anderson, Estella Warren, Michael Shannon, and Christopher Walken. And Adam Garcia as the voice of Kangaroo Jack, uncredited. It was universally panned by critics who cr- criticized uh, almost everything about it, uh, including the uh, that it was supposed to be a family film, though the visuals and soundtrack were praised. Uh, despite the mostly negative perception, it was a box office success. Uh, so they showed him 88.1 million uh, box office gross on a $60 million budget. Uh, it was, uh, it did have an animated sequel titled Gang- Kangaroo Jack, a Good Day USA. That was produced and released in 2003. But yeah, I will go through the plot here because I don't know the movie and I was listening to Eleanor a little bit. So 1982, a boy named Charlie Carbone is uh, about to join a family. Like, so this is a little bit of Sopranos. uh, And they try to double cross him. So he's about to become the stepson of the boss. And he's saved by a boy named Louis Booker. And they become friends. 20 years later, Charlie now runs his own beauty salon. But uh, the family business it takes a majority of the salon's profits. They're supposed to hide some TVs that were taken without permission. And Sal gives Charlie and Louie, or Louis, I don't know, Louis, Louis or Louie? It's a Louis, maybe? Oh, Louis with an E. So, yeah, it's a Louis. Uh, under the instructions of Frankie, they're supposed to deliver a package to a man named Mr. Smith in Australia. And they say, don't end up, uh, doing. So then they get the package, they open it up, they head out, they, uh, they meet a kangaroo, a red kangaroo. Lewis puts his jet. So this is, gets a little bit like another movie. Uh, and the kangaroo hops away with the package, or what was in the package, which was money. And the kangaroo gets away. Then they try to explain their situation to their boss. Uh, then hijinks ensue. Charlie and Louie try to uh, go after the, put the they, they try to do a sleep podcast and put the kangaroo to sleep. And then they, they're supposed to take off, but they actually sing so lulling that the pilot falls asleep, never takes off. Uh, then they meet someone from the Outback Wildlife Foundation. Following day, they meet the kangaroo near river. They try to catch it, but does, of course it doesn't work out. More antics ensue. And love starts to blossom. Then... They get busted by this Mr. Smith character. The kangaroo returns uh, to rescue them, it sounds like. Uh, Final chase. Kangaroo pursued by Frankie. Louie manages to get the money. Charlie saves Louie. Louis, excuse me, I'm sorry, Louis. And then, uh, let's see. Do they? Oh, one year later. Spoil, spoiler, one year later, Charlie and Jesse are married and they've used sales money to start a line of new hair care products bearing a kangaroo. Oh, this is what she's saying with a kangaroo logo. Huh? So I guess that's uh, taken from a little bit from there. That's interesting. So that's just a little bit about kangaroo Jack. Now I'm trying to get the next thing loaded, but, uh, Having a bit of a, I've got a technological hurdle. I've got to, um, 
you know, I'm not, I'm in a car. So for some reason, my normal, so I'm trying to copy and paste from my phone into an iPad because for some reason the iPad just does not want to, um, you know, and then I just put that in reading mode. I guess I could just read it right off my phone, couldn't I? I don't know, Scoots, could you? I don't know. Let's try. So the next one was like, they so they said, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. And that made me think of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song, which I just was listening to somebody else say, like, how many generations have been impacted by this song? And also, I did not know that it was that they might be giants that came up with it early. So I said, my brother told me that the other day. And I said, the birdhouse in my soul built by that news. Uh, so this is from DisneyFandom.com, the Disney Wiki, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme. Composer, lyrics, and performers, they might be giants. It's the opening theme song for the TV series, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And it's performed by They Might Be Giants. It goes, Mickey says, hey, everybody, it's me, Mickey Mouse. You might come in my, I got better paraphrase, in my club. All right, I almost forgot to say, to make the clubhouse up here, we got to sing the magic words, which are like Miska Mouska, Mickey Mouska or something. Then they sing the spell his name. Wait a second, this isn't the hot dog song. Wait a second. Presents, everybody here, yeah. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Miska Mouska, Mickey Mouska. M-I-C-K-E-Y, it's Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, present. Daisy's there. Donald's there. Roll call. Daisy, Goofy. Goofy's there. Pluto, barking, yes. Minnie, giggling here. And Mickey's there. Huh, so that doesn't have, that's not the hot dog song at all. What the, what is going on here? I guess I'm going to have to do a little Googling live. Uh, I know what I Googled was Mickey Mouse hot dog song, and that's what came up. Oh, I also have no, that's right, I have no, um, this is not, okay, Mickey Mouse hot dog, hot dog dance. Uh, why does Mickey Mouse say hot dog? This is all on Google. He'd like to see how he's moving. Hot dogs get your hot dogs. Uh, Mickey Mouse Club, a hot dog dance. So this is a YouTube video. I'm looking for actual factual. Here's a, oh, the hot dog song. It's also performed by They Might Be Giants. See, we're here live learning while you rest and take it easy over on Disney Fandom, Disney.Fandom.com. The hot dog song is performed by They Might Be Giants at the end of the episode. So that was the beginning. This is the end. Then they perform the hot dog dance. Each character has a different move. Uh, the name, the song's name echoes Disney's first spoken words from the Carnival Kid, 1929. Extended versions of the song have been released on two different albums, Playhouse Disney Music Date and Disney Junior DJ Shuffle. And it got a reintroduction with the third season of Mickey and the Roadster Racers. And it goes, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Now we got ears, it's time for cheers. Hot dog, hot dog, the problem's solved. Hot diggity dog. What a hot dog day. It's a brand new day. What are you waiting for? Get up, stretch out, stop on the floor. So that's just, there you go. That's a Mickey Mouse hot dog song, in case you were... In case you were wondering about that. Uh, okay, next up, this is maybe something we've covered. Maybe not. I actually do need to open this in the iPad, though. This is where I'm, like, talking to producer scoots, and, like, I'm trying to do this at the same time. It's just really hard on my eyes to try to read this. Uh, so I'm just telling my boss, old Scoots Magoots. I say, Scoots, can you... Uh, I said, no problem, Scoots. I'm working on it. This is good. You know, it's good. Oh, that didn't work out, though. Okay, well, is there another way we could do this? What I'm trying to do is, like, go from Notion 
into on my phone because I can't, I don't know my Notion password, so I couldn't open it up on. Uh... Oh, here we go. Can we copy that? Copy that, buddy, and paste it here on the iPad. One of my favorite things about Apple products is being able to copy and paste on different devices. So if you learned something about me today. So Goosebumps, uh, R.L. Stein is a children's uh, fiction by author R.L. Stein's Scholastic Publishing. Child characters who find themselves in situations where normally your vigilance would be uh, like uh, heightened to hyper. And it could involve supernatural elements, uh, books from 1992 to 1997, 62 books published under the Goosebumps umbrella. There was spinoffs written by Stein, Series 2000, Tales, uh, Give Yourself, Triple Header, Most Wanted, and even more. There was even a series never released, uh, Goosebumps Gold, spawned a television series, uh, feature films. And since the release of the first novel, Welcome to the Big Farm House, uh, 1992, 400 million books worldwide have been sold, 32 languages. Uh, structure and genre, you know, it's a bit of a thriller. Uh, there, there's humor. I don't know if I've ever, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've read a Goosebumps book. If I have, maybe I read one of the slappy ones, actually. Is that's the name of the character that's, uh, they say, who's, 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 they say, you know, they would say, they would make, the, that character would make jokes about me. Uh, they tend to be people that are a little bit lonely and away from home, uh, move to a new place or, or staying with relatives. They all feature similar plot structures. And at the peak, Stein was known to be able to complete a book in only six days sometimes. Uh, they're mostly first-person narrative, twist endings. Some can be surreal, strange, and supernatural. There's a lot of plot devices used throughout the books. Uh, very rarely does anyone go to the big farm. Uh, and never situations that are too serious. And they tend to be a little bit vanilla. They're written, also written at the, between the third and the seventh grade reading level. And according to one documentary, uh, Stein had read a lot of the comic books that were popular when they were younger. And even uh, something like Pinocchio was an influence. And a lot of themes of the children triumphing and facing situations and using their wit and imagination. There's recurring characters. Oh, there is a picture of R.L. Stein. I didn't, I was like, oh, I thought R.L. Stein may have been an imaginary author. I'm not, this is all new to me, really. Achievements, reception. Um, the book was challenged and banned a lot between 2000 and 2009, according to ALA, 94th on the list of, uh, and 15th on the list of most frequently challenged books from 1990 to 1999. Uh, so that's interesting. Because the television and film adaptations, video games, comic books, other media, and yeah, so that's a little bit about uh, Goosebumps, uh, since Eleanor brought up Goosebumps on some level. So yeah, now we'll be here. This is real sleep podcasting stuff. You say, okay, now I'm going to go, and I'm going into Notion. I'm clicking on the next hyperlink, which I think is, uh, where does the expression spill the tea, tea from, from Stack Exchange? Then I'm clicking on it. Then I'm clicking on share. Then I'm copying the hyperlink. Now's the most delicate part because I have to make sure to paste the link in a, or delete the first link, then paste. Oh, so I don't think there was anything difficult about it. Last time I just forgot to exit out of the other hyperlink. So now we're at uh, EnglishStackExchange.com. And it's a closed thing on English language and usage from three years ago. Where does the expression, expression spill the tea come from? 
it's idiomatic, informal, disclose information, kind of like gossip. Uh, and let's see, Quincy T, can anyone tell me is it British or American? So this question, so is this actually a question? Because it just seems like the title asks a question. In the UK, there's an older expression, spill the beans. Uh, and it wasn't, a, it was the judge that said spill the tea, not spill the beans, spilt, spilt milk. Uh, uh, this answer that got seven ups says it comes from uh, drag culture and has a double edged meaning. It could also refer to someone else's hidden truth that is gossip. Uh, so the phrase spill the tea was used as an encouragement to gossip, but has been used in everything from Harlequin romance novels, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, Larry Wilmore talked about it on Larry Wilmore's show using weak tea uh, when people weren't telling the absolute truth. Merriam Webster says the expression is American slang. And this one uses Rob Kardashian's Instagram as an example. So, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, that's, uh, so spilling the tea means kind of like to encourage someone to gossip, which was how it was used in this one. But I, yeah, I was just like, huh, I've heard of spill the beans myself. Uh, Okay, so then toodle, 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 do, toodle, loo, which I'm saying toodle, 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 toodles. Uh, another thing I have trouble saying, toodle, toodle, loo. This is English. Uh, it was the word of the day on the Wiccan Wiccanictionary in uh, September 2010. It means uh, farewell, see you soon, toodle, loo. Uh, not much else about it. Uh, so, yeah, that was a quick one. Uh, also, this one comes up is On Your Own. They were On My Own. And I thought about the song On My Own, and I thought about the song On Your Own, which is a blur song. For some reason, that popped in my head, though now that I'm talking about it, it's not popping in my head. And uh, it's a song by Blur. It was released as a single in June of 1997 on their fifth album, Blur. It charted number five on the UK singles charts. It wasn't released, uh, although it wasn't released, uh, although it was not released exclusively under the name. It was also one of the first ever Gorillaz tunes. Uh, so B-side was song two or pop scene. It's four minutes and 26 seconds long. Let's see what else I said. There was a, this was back when they had music videos. Uh, B-sides were recorded at John Peel's home studio, track listings. thought there would be something more, but uh, in popular culture, it was using the film The Beach in 2000 as a soundtrack. So yeah, kind of another piece of research that I would say to past scoots. That's a bit of a dud, past scoots. I'd say no problem, current scoots. Let's just keep rolling. What about Silly Billy? This is a regencyhistory.net article from Saturday, the 21st of January, 2012. Who was Silly Billy? It's a common nickname for someone who behaves foolishly. Sound familiar, uh, even though I'm not behaving particularly foolishly now. And it's particularly appropriate if someone happens to be named William. Well, boy, uh, the nickname appears to originate in the 18th century, but this person, I don't see their name. Uh, Rachel is the first name. I'll see if it's at the end of the article. Uh, it found three different royal Williams who earned it. Prince William. Friedrich, Deuce, Duke of Gloucester, King William, the IV, so that's fourth, uh, and Prince William of Orange. Uh, but who won? Who was the original Silly Billy? The Duke of Gloucester, Gloucester was a cousin of George the Fourth, uh, pompous, who demanded great respect, but was not known for his intelligence. 
Wallace confirming the Duke knew that he was widely known as Silly Billy. This, the antidote, ant, 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 <laughs> they could have been this cousin was a greater fool than him. Uh, there was a contemporary cartoon that seems to support this. It shows William IV sitting on a carved chair wearing a fool's cap. Uh, and many sources suggest that the phrase Silly Billy is originally coined for William the Fourth. Uh, there was different books that say he earned this nickname because as a young man, he was very excitable and tactless. Uh, that also sounds familiar. Uh, evidence seems to suggest his behavior was wild and ridiculous at times and that he was afflicted with some, you know, he, he was just a bit, uh, and then the sil- one of the silliest old gentlemen. So there's more about that. And then Prince William of Orange, but I want to get to the summary. All three Williams were known for the lack of wisdom, but I do believe that the Duke of Gloucester was the original Silly Billy, both in uh, reminiscence from grown and now. In the satirical cartoon, the Duke is acknowledged as Silly Billy, though Grenville's memoirs suggest that the fourth, William IV, deserved the nickname. Uh, it is unsurprising that the nickname has become associated with William IV, given his importance of his standing compared to his relatively unknown cousin. And let me just see if I can find who we're crediting here on this blog about Rachel. Let's see. So this is regencyhistorynet.net. It has been said, this is quoting Rachel Knowles, uh, that every writer must first be a reader, and I've always loved reading. Uh, As a child, uh, I was fascinated by tales of fantasy, including Blyton's Enchanted Wood, wrote my own magical adventures, when I was 13, I read Pride and Prejudice for the first time, and I fell in love, not just with Mr. Darcy, with the whole Regency age. So I'll definitely link to that this article. And then, of course, we got to talk about, uh, well, I'll do a quick one, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, starts sometimes. And there's other codes, but this one, you know, is either known as the Contra Code or the Konami Code uh, or the 30 Lives Code. It's a cheat code. It appears in many Konami video games and some non-Konami ones. Uh, In the original version of the code, the player can do up, uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, starts. And I just tried this recently with my daughter, uh, and it worked with like a, like a, you know, one of those Nintendos that's not an original Nintendo. I think so. It's also found a place in popular culture as a reference to the third generation of video consoles and as an Easter egg in a number of websites. It was first used in the 1986 release of Gradius, a scrolling suitor for the NES. And then it became it was in the North American player's version of Contra, which was dubbed the Contra Code of the 30 Lives Code. So you got 30 lives where you usually just had like two or three. It was uh, it was developed, yeah, in the as a home port of the 1985 Gradius. Uh, it was too difficult to test. Created a cheat code to give a full set of power-ups. Normally that you would detain gradually. And uh, the code was meant to be removed prior to publishing, but it was overlooked. And the developers decided to leave it there, meaning, uh, you know, because they don't want to create new bugs by taking it out. Uh, uh, it was also in the Super NES version, Gradius 3, but it was uh, using the, like, it was a different type of controller. And then on the Wii remote, Gradius Rebirth. Uh, and there's other variations, uh, depending on you, if you're using the NES or the PlayStation or a numerical pad. And then 573 is also used extensively in Dance Dance Revolution. So Jason would probably know about that. Uh, and that's a Konami, I think that's another one that's called System 573. So list of them, Gradius, Life Force, Nemesis. Oh, these are all Gradius. Uh, 
Gradius Deluxe, uh, Contra, Super C, Operation C, Neo, 4. Oh, even in Castlevania, some of them. Cool. I'm going to have to try it out. And TM, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uses it, and Dance Dance Resolution. Oh, Metal Gear, even. I never played that, but I, I know some people that really love that game. So I'll link to that, too. I hope you sleep well as we say goodbye to the Soul Squad. You know, we'll see them again. You know, you could re-listen to all four seasons of our coverage and watch all four seasons of the show again. And then, you know, move on to all the amazing projects that everybody that worked on that show is working on now and probably developing and pitching right now. We hope all of them, everybody that's been involved and, you know, but particularly the good place, uh, uh, ends up in a good place where we can keep enjoying the content, whether they're performing or writing, producing, directing, doing something else behind the scenes. That's so important. Thank you so much.